0: Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas. With your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: We're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. This is episode 143. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host Ryan Ray. Ryan, how's it feel to be a co-host for another week? Feels terrible. That was a dig. Feels terrible. First off, let me just say
0: this. Um, come in today and getting ready for the show and guess what? Come over, sit down. Nathan's prepared all your stuff for you. Like a, like a, like a mother hen and I got to go dig my microphone out of the trash can and move it around and all that. So that was, that was terrible. Um, second off, you know, I just want to point this out. We got a new intern around here and, um, the new intern sent a thing. She didn't send it to you. She sent it to me, Stephanie, the intern now, and she said, "Hey, listen, I will do. I will be an intern if you, Ryan, because you're so smart and wise, would write me a, a, a reference. And you can speak English, which um, something Josh can't do. If you, if you, if you, you know, I would. What, what, what task could you? Josh can't speak Spanish, Ryan. Could, to be what, fair. What, what task can I do to, you know, get an internship in return? She's going to be a uh, I think it's petroleum engineer, and so would like a reference. And I said, "Well, let me think about it." You know, we need someone um, who can clearly speak. We need someone who can edit the podcast decently. Um, you know, I, I need a lot of things. I need a lot of things. But I ultimately decided that you know, hey, you know, if we get someone who can pick decent articles, that would be a good start. And so from now on, Stephanie, the intern, will be contributing with Josh to pick the articles. So the show gets better, folks. I'm just saying, it's not because of Josh. It's despite, Josh, we have overcome and gotten
1: better quality content. Ryan, I can barely speak English, so um, any attempt to put in Spanish, French names, I take it as sabotage, so I'll pass that (laughs) along to (laughs) Stephanie. Stephanie, the intern.
2: At least you, you enunciate, Josh. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Whoa. Whoa,
1: whoa. 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 whoa, Too soon, man. Too soon. Well this show is made up of uh, the cream of the crap. So uh, <laughs> we had to we had to go with what was best. So I'm gonna have to
2: bleep that,
0: dang it. Oh, too soon. Man, Nate says firing shots. I didn't say that you're the ones that edit the podcast and that you screwed up all the time. I didn't say that on the show,
1: Nate, but now people are wondering. So anyway,
2: people are wondering, yeah. People are wondering.
1: So our, uh, our, good, our good friend, Sergio, he uh, he took a pretty good
0: dig No at us. No, 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 no. We're not talking about Sergio on this show anymore. You know, we're going to call it the, uh, what's, it, what's what's he called, the drilling down? Yeah, we're going drilling drought. We're going drilling drought. Yeah, we got your drought, Sergio. We see you, and we've got your drought. So we are not, I think, until the Chronicle on the front page, prints a Retraction, how it slandered the Barnett shell repeatedly. It's liable for pain and suffering for the people that live in the Barnett. We're not talking about The Drilling Down anymore. So if you want to see The Drilling Down, you can go read our show notes. But um, I, re- I refuse to talk about it. It's a, I mean, like it's unnecessary at this point. Yeah, We're willing good. to
2: settle you with you for mental anguish, Houston Chronicle. Our um, fee is $10 million.
0: Per, per co-host. Not not the host. This the ghost. Host doesn't get a cut. The, the host, 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 host doesn't get a cut. <laughs> 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 but I mean, you know, it's like, hey, not only is the Barnett shell down, not only is it knocked out, its its face is against the curb, and Sergio just walks by and just curb stunts it. It's it's um, it's it's not it's not right, Sergio. So no, we're not we're we're not we're gonna skip that one today because uh, it's just too soon, man. It's too soon.
1: So we got uh, we got a couple articles that uh, involve climate. Uh, I'll just kind of mention them all three together. We'll oh just...
0: hey, who is this? This is from the Chronicle. Oh, it's James Osborne getting a little love on the show today. (laughs) I met James on my trip to China, actually, Josh. So um, we'll talk about James Osborne's stuff. uh, Sergio.
1: His his article is uh, Climate Bill Sweep Washington as GOP and Democrats Compete on Approach. And uh, another one to throw in, Democratic Primary Fossil Fuel Bans Rule, even for centrists. And uh, I wanted to mix that in with a Slumberjay article that... uh, Unfortunately, Sergio actually authored this one. We oh, no. No. no,
2: Sergio, drought. We okay. can't talk about it then.
1: So, uh, so there's there's been some talks with uh, Bernie Sanders came out and said there would be a fracking ban, and and there's been some talks about all these companies going to um, kind of a net neutral or reducing carbon footprint by 2035 or 2050 or different different things that they're discussing, and uh, and and it's causing some. Discussions with companies out in the Permian about how they're going to uh, address these issues. We've seen a little bit going on with flaring here recently, and uh, and it's just it's going to be interesting to watch how um, the Democratic candidates are vying for a position. Because I think if you go too far left, it's going to hurt you in the in the presidential race. But if you go too far right, it's going to hurt you in the Democratic primary. So. Uh, they're they're walking a pretty fine line, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something to see how they come up with a plan that doesn't completely discredit them, and and then also with some of these companies, how are they gonna deal with the the, the negative press they're getting with uh, with oil if there's great opportunities for investment? So that's that's another thing. I think Schlumberger, the article that I mentioned earlier, they are uh, moving one of their executives to a new energy division, and they're being uh, uh, they, on the face value they're saying that they're they're gonna to move toward a carbon neutral uh goal. So will they be able to do that? Who knows? Or is it just optics? You know? Well
0: let's 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 be fair and balanced here. So we've got the um what I mean the liberal um presidential candidates and then let's bring in the the voice of reason on the show, Speaker the Prophet of Doom. Oh boy. So Speaker last week sent me this Trump now talking about selling an extra 15 million barrels of the SPR this year. I guess he wants to bank, bankrupt oil companies even quicker. I am so over Trump. The world has turned against oil, even though it is needed. It doesn't matter. Perception can keep prices low. Trump would just assume bankrupt all oil companies, and he just let them re, and just let them all restructure. He does not give a shot about oil production. <laughs> um, and then he has a a much longer. Um couple of couple of things. He did say, and we maybe we need to do like a special Speakner episode. I, know I keep talking about this. We need to do a special Speakner episode. Um, he does say, unfortunately, your premise regarding oil prices, if Bernie were to win primary, is only half correct. So we'll tease that for a for a later day with Speakner. Um, so here's a couple things, Josh. First off, you know, and I know we don't do a ton of geopolitical stuff, so I'm gonna try to keep that. A little bit light here, but let's just say for, for, for the sake of argument, if a Democrat wants to ban fracking in the U.S., what is the number one country that has dominated the news outside of the United States since Trump got in office three years ago now? There's one country that's been in the news more than any other country um, you know, outside the United States.
1: Mm, it would. I have two in my mind. It'd be Russia or China. Russia, Russia. I would say Russia. Would be the one I'd Easily
0: pick. Russia. It's not even close. It'd be Russia. Uh, from the standpoint of the Russia collusion, Russia collusion. So every day, Russia, 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 Russia. So if we say this, if you want to strengthen Russia, which I think Russia is literally no threat to the U.S., but if you if you think they are and you want to strengthen them, the one thing that you could do to strengthen them would be to stop drilling in the U.S. like that from a geopolitical military, you know, economics, all those things. And if you wanted to strengthen Russia, you would stop drilling in the U.S. So I need now, right now, for Congress to start Russia collusion investigations because the Democrats are obviously colluding with the Russians. Like, it's, it's, it's quite simple. I mean, they, they they must be colluding with the Russians. That's be- why they're all accusing each other of being Russian assets. It has to be. It's, it's so obvious. And the fact that the Chronicle doesn't see this is just, it's just terrible because... If you stop U.S. drilling, you strengthen the Russians. So it's clear that all the Democrats are Russian Russian um, puppets and Trump's are Russian puppets. So they're all Russian puppets. So really, Russia should be feared because all of our politicians are bowing the knee to Putin. Official position of the Texas Oil
2: and Gas Podcast. On President's Day, mind you. On President's Happy Day. Happy President's is Day. Is that our president. We're owned by Russia. <laughs>
0: we're owned by Russia. <laughs> so I just want to say that. So. It's, it's funny when we talk about this stuff, um, and I know that uh, that Osborne here is probably not trying to get too much into the politics, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's just funny that if Trump says something pro-Russia, the media loses their mind. But an actual policy that would hugely benefit the Russian economy, no one talks about it because, again, either reporters aren't smart enough to put two and two together or they really don't care or whatever you want to be. But But please, reporters, if you're going to talk about banning fracking, please mention how it would help Russia because – We've talked about Russia so much, I haven't heard anybody mention this. So I just want to make sure that we're clear that banning fracking helps Russia. So if you're pro-Russia, let's ban the fracking. Um, you could be pro oil prices, but you're, you know... But still, um, banning fracking would do that. The second thing is, I- I'm not quite sure... Until we get to the, the primary season, which is just right around the corner that... Uh, I mean, the primary is here, but we get to the um, the general yeah. debates, uh, it's kind of hard to know where this will, 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 um, will shape out. The third thing is, Josh... We need jobs at the Center of Biological Diversity. <laughs> I mean, these they brothers do. are getting quoted every time I turn around the Chronicle. like I think the Chronicle actually owns the Center for Biological Diversity or something like that because every, every reporter, they get a quote from them, they get a shout-out. So, Center for Biological Diversity, if you're looking for a mumbling co-host and a host who can't pronounce anything other than English, we're available for a small fee to do a podcast podcast. Semi-regularly. You know, I'll bet you that they're actually a shadow organization for the Houston Chronicle. I think they are.
2: Yeah. I think they are. That's that's how they cover their <laughs> quoting from us. Well, you know, you know what? They attribute it to the Center for Biological let's, Diversity. Let's
0: back this up. Let's just back this up. Russia would benefit by a fracking ban. The Chronicle doesn't point that out. Russia owns the Chronicle. The Chronicle owns the Center for Biological Diversity. Is this a big Russian propaganda asset? Oh man, yeah, conspiracy time. put, wow. your,
2: put your tinfoil hat on. There are frogs in Houston. There's yep. a frog on the logo for the Center of yeah. Biological Diversity. <laughs> this goes all the way to the top, it goes guys. goes to
0: Illuminati. We've got it solved today. So happy President's Day.
1: <laughs> you guys are <it> something. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I, I saw a uh, there's a, a joke. The a, a question was, uh, what what did socialists use before candles? What? What did socialists use before candles? Socialists. I think. What? What did social issues use? What did socialists use before candles? What? Electricity. <laughs> <laughs> so we got an article here. Embracing new technologies crucial to EMP industries' progress. There was a conference in Abu Dhabi at Atapec, uh, where companies from all over the world met to talk about emerging technologies and. Uh, one of the one of the central issues was how they can maximize efficiencies and return on investment in the Permian, uh, along with some along with some other things. So, um, interesting to follow up on that. I've, I've been doing some research on the Adipet conference. We may have uh, some articles and some people that we can reach out to this week. Uh, Ryan, did you did you have any? You mentioned someone that you may have known that went over to the. At yeah, I know Ken
0: Silverstein was over there for something uh, with Forbes, so he might have – he was at a conference over there. I don't know if it was the same one or not. But, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, Josh, is that we got to be careful because, you know, we're all guilty of saying, hey, man, the industry's not evolving, but there's a lot of things that, are, that, that indicate that the industry is forward-looking. Is it slow? Sure. Is it, um, you know, maybe slower than we want it to be? Yeah. But, but uh, I think at this point we have to be careful with the same narrative that – the industry is not changing it doesn't mean you can't still push for the industry to change but if we're not careful we're going to wake up and the industry will have kind of passed us by with you know with some of these technological innovations that are being talked about especially on the international stage
1: yeah one of the, one interesting thing here Adnoc announced a partnership with Total to deploy drones and unmanned vehicles to collect 3D seismic data as it expands its search for new oil and gas resources throughout Abu Dhabi so oh uh, it looks like, like
0: Kim was at a different conference over there so. okay
1: okay Um, yeah, just lots of cool stuff. I I would, I would love to get some more, uh, you know, anyone that, uh, maybe attended any listeners, uh, it'd be, be cool to discuss some of that. Today we have a guest, Chris Hartley, wellbore placement advisor at Gyro Data. Chris, great to have you on the show today, man. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. I think we started to set this up back in December and, uh, yeah, finally, finally have you on the show today. So, so glad to glad to finally get you here.
3: Well, thanks. Um, yeah, today uh, uh, my my job role and uh, what I'm doing is is actually providing all technical support to our uh, sales ta- sales staff and marketing group. So uh, many many years gray hair in in the in the business. So uh, drilling services. And well bore placement is is something I'm I'm very very knowledgeable
0: of. So, why don't you, for our listeners who aren't in the upstream portion of the business or don't know what a well bore or well bore placement is, why don't you kind of break down that term before we kind of get into uh, you know the, the the various topics for for the day?
3: Sure. Well, let's say back in the um, pre two thousands. Um, most of the wells drilled in the North America and Canada were drilled into conventional reservoirs, meaning sandstone or limestone uh, reservoirs. And then um, the source rock was, is shale um, somewhere mid 2000s all of a sudden we started drilling these shale plays and started drilling them horizontally uh, because we had the ability to, I guess we can be became more efficient at fracking. So as fracking industry became more and more efficient, cost-effective, then we started drilling all these shale plays around the U S and Canada, uh, particularly because we were able to produce them in doing that. Then pad drilling came about. And that means instead of having one well per surface location, you started out and maybe had two wells per surface location and then five wells and six wells. And now some of these surface locations are called mega pads, where you can have 32 to 64 uh, wells off of one surface location. So at the surface, it now becomes very similar to complex offshore installations where you have to mitigate um, running into all these different, uh, uh, wells coming off the surface pad. But then as you get deeper, they separate and the well spacing in these shell plays is very critical for production. And, and as you've heard, um, over time, we keep reading more and more about, oh, we're not in our production, uh, quotas we're not we're not producing what we thought we could get out of it and well now people are starting to wonder why and well maybe it has to do with well bore placement and and we don't exactly have the well bore placement we thought we had due to different issues in the drilling process
0: and, and what are, you say there's due, uh, due to different issues what are some of those issues
3: well you can have um Instances where our BHAs and our instrumentation in the bottom hole assemblies are further back, maybe say 60 feet back, it'd be like steering a car and and you're sitting 60 feet away from the front wheels that actually doing steering in a car. So you can see that you may react a lot slower to a change in the road or a change that you need to make. So one of the things that the industry has been working on is getting instrumentation closer to the bit. Okay. Other things we've been doing is trying to improve the accuracy of the instrumentation. So, if we're running a standard MWD tool, then the industry now on a regular basis does error correction to correct for error in misalignment and bias terms in an MWD survey uh, sensor. And that helps tighten up the sensor spacing. So we know a little bit more about where we are. And then in, in our company's case, we've also then made a new sensor that's been in the industry for a while, but we've started applying it in a different way where we create what's called gyro while drilling, where we use that typically to kick out a window when you have magnetic interference. And so we take, and you have an existing well, and you cut the casing, you mill it, you create a window, and you use a gyro while drilling to steer out of that window due to the magnetic interference that would corrupt the traditional MWD tool. Um, And that's that's really the basis on how gyro data got started. But today, with the technology advancing, there is gyro data has been able to make a solid state gyro that enables us to drill the entire well with it. Um, The nice thing about a solid state gyro, because of the principles that it works on, it's a more accurate measurement even than a standard MWD corrected survey. So you have better wellbore placement and knowing uh, have a better idea where you're at.
0: So one of the things that we've talked about on the show and various guests have kind of weighed in. I'm curious your perspective is um, some people have said that you talked about not getting the production quota. Some people have accused the oil and gas industry of lying, that they knew the whole time. Some people have said that, you know, we're, we're just kind of, you know, um, you know we're incentivized by money. Some people have said that they didn't have the technology. There, there's a lot of reasons for why we hadn't meet, meet this production quota. And you kind of walked us through that. Um, kind of our take on it uh, on the show has been is well, there's probably a lot of different reasons. Probably some were incentivized by money. Some may have been deceptive. Some may have thought they were doing the best thing and they were just wrong. Um, but I'm just curious, what is your take on going back to your original point about not hitting the production quotas? Um, do you have maybe the top reason why you think we are? Is it that you know people are, are too too eager, or would you say that no, 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 that they were trying to do the best? Um, and again, you're, I'm trying to flatten this out, but maybe rank the reasons from um, what you've seen most to, to least.
3: Well, I think number one, especially um, in these horizontal shell plays, the industry's fighting for money. And so you may be optimistic on your production numbers simply because you're trying to secure money to prove that you're correct. I don't think people go out there and and willfully try to be deceptive, but, but they do probably um, – maybe embellish a hair, become over optimistic and what they can do with new technology. In other words, in, in my world, we can run all the new technology you want, whether it's steering a well or fracking a well, but until it's proven, you know, don't give me production numbers on unproven technology methods. Uh, and that's what we got, um, you know, especially say from 2010 forward when things just really, really ramped up. Um so now investors are kind of skittish, right? So, so they're trying to learn how these numbers are put together, and and what they're based on. Um, where I become more optimistic is if we want six hundred and sixty foot spacing on these long horizontal laterals, and we're drilling two mile laterals every day now in the Permian, and we're getting ready to go to three mile laterals, and and. You need to have them spaced right because of the frack programs. The well spacing is is basically determined by the, the guys doing all the frack work. And they're saying, here's where we can optimize our fracks. But if you drill a, a two-mile lateral and the two wells diverge and go away from each other, then you might leave a 100 foot of shale that's a mile long that's not fracked and you're not producing it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: So you mentioned, and
3: then, and then you have.
1: Go ahead. Uh, well, you go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish your thought there.
3: Well, and then you have the opposite. What happens if the two wells converge on each other, and now you have a frack hit? You know, so now you're leaving oil in the ground too, and you just messed up another well and filling up with sand. So you mentioned
1: uh, a moment ago the um, the solid state gyro. Um, so, what what impact or effect is this having on the industry, uh, or what possible effect could you see it having? Uh, so, just what what will this translate into
3: as far as results? Let me give you let me give you an example. So, everywhere we drill in North America, we have lease lines, right? And a lease line is is a basically a property line that says we can. Every state has different regulations, but it says how close can you come to this lease line or property line without going over it? So what the solid state gyro will allow you to do with high confidence is, is drill as close as we can in the industry day today to that lease line without going over it, where with standard MWD tools and even doing the corrections I had stated earlier, um, you just can't get as close. So there's, there's, the opportunity to grab more production space that we were leaving in the ground. The, the other example that we've done with the solid state dry rows is we've come back, if all the wells were drilled north-south, we've come back and drilled perpendicular or east-west under all the heels of those wells, picking up all that production. Does that make sense?
1: So basically, it allows you to maximize acreage uh, much more
3: efficiently. There you go. That's exactly right. It allows us to have better well bore spacing, and maximize the acreage, and and all this is is proven based on um, modeling and what's called um, ellipse of uncertainty. In other words, ellipse of uncertainty. It, it basically, if you drew a a football, that we're talking about an MWD tool. And, and look at the outside shape of that football from the side view, that would be your area that the well bore could be in, anywhere in that ellipsoid shape as we drill. And we like to think we're in the center and we're always on the, the line, if you will, or the well plan is, is what we call the line. But in reality, because of the instrument error, we could be anywhere inside that ellipsoid that's shaped like a football. Um and still be considered good. It's a good tool. It's a good product. So, so the industry has always tried to reduce that ellipse of uncertainty and make it smaller and smaller. And so like the solid state gyro, the ellipse is the smallest one in the industry. And it's not really even an ellipse anymore. It's a straight circle. And um, so it's really, really reduced in terms of error.
0: One of the things that's hard to measure is, and Josh and I are guilty of this, probably overplaying the industry is not advancing technologically, and they're kind of slow to adapt. And so it's true, and it's not true. And I think that it's easy to say that, and I think Josh and I are very guilty of it. Um, And I also think we're probably guilty of getting too much credit. So balance it out for us from your perspective how is the industry responding to technological change is it yeah. kind of at the right pace a little too fast maybe or a little too slow because if you go back to what you said some of these things about hey we think we're gonna hit these quotas and stuff you could actually say well they actually and I'm using technology in a very wide term here they actually overestimated their technological capacity and kind of got them in a bind because they thought they could do things that they later found out they couldn't do so um, right. uh, give us your take on that
3: well, it, it's twofold. So so you have you have the well from my view, you have the customers that want the technology. Oh yeah. And then you have the the the, the service providers that have had to spend R and D dollars to develop this technology. So the solid state technology, for instance, you know, many companies are, are working on it and trying to to pursue this technology, but you're throwing millions and millions of dollars at it over several years. So the service provider wants a premium for it and, and the operator saying, well, why am I going to pay premium? And so, they have to, you have to speculate and justify. So, we can say, hey, look, we believe you're leaving oil behind because your spacing is not what you think it is and you're leaving untapped areas of the reservoir. And they can come back and say, you know, well… <laughs> Yeah, but we don't think that's our biggest problem, and, right. and they'll try to keep the price the same as it is. So, so at the end of the day, there's this push and pull with any type of technology of of the providers trying to get their R and D dollars back, and the and the users saying, you know, well, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to pay that much more. It's it's the same thing we see with uh, uh, laptops, uh, for instance. Laptops get smaller, lighter, and more powerful. And we pay less for them as a consumer. <laughs> so that's what's happening within, in, within the industry. It's like, why do we have to pay more? Well, we have to pay more because we don't have the same volume of sales that a laptop company would have.
0: Yeah. And and on that, I think the other thing, if, if you're looking at it, obviously you don't have the volume of sales. Um, but right now... Um, the industry is kind of, you know, there's a lot of headlines that folks we've you've seen bankruptcy, stuff like that. But also if you look at it and say, well, where the price is at? I'm wondering if this price is actually the best price to incentivize, incentivize this. So if you're at a hundred dollars a barrel, you're probably not worried about how many barrels you're leaving behind. If you're at, Twenty dollars a barrel, you can't afford to drill, right? So we're kinda of in this sweet spot where we, we can make money, but we're not killing it. And so the the vendors they're wanting to bring solutions that are cost saving to the producers, the producers are wanting to get more barrels out, but there's kind of that that that, that, that pull and tug as you mentioned mentioning a second ago. Where okay, we want you to pay for it. There's not as many to pay for, it and all these things. But it feels like this is maybe the right pricing environment actually to get this technology built because everyone's incentivized. Where if you kind of go to the extremes, the the um, you know the, the incentive isn't there to, to to develop this type of technology.
3: Right. And and in our business, we're starting to see a bit of a change in in terms of how the jobs are priced, too, because the client wants everybody to drill faster. So we come up with other products that enable us to drill faster and set these drilling records. And And all of a sudden, if you have a price model based on a day rate and you drill faster, you're like, well... Why does how does that work? I mean, right. as as a provider, I'm making less money. So so performance contracts are going to have to come into play. And and with performance contracts, it's almost kind of cool because it's kind of like am I turn king, do I have the ability as a service provider with my engineering team and my drilling optimization team to pick all the right parts and go out there and show, you know, what we can do when we put all the technology in the hole. And by going to performance contracts, I think that might help enable getting more and more technology in the hole.
0: Okay. All right. I know we're getting up against the clock here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, your company? Talk about it loosely, but uh, say the name again, website, conferences that you might be attending, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you want to point folks to.
3: Well, at Gyro Data, we're based here in Houston. Uh, we're a global company. We have not only drilling services, but wireline gyros uh, all over the world. We're in forty-two different countries and have the ability to easily mobilize to many more. The um, gyro while drilling technology is is our principal focus, and 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 moving trans- transitioning everything from traditional rotating mass gyros to solid state technology. And the, the thing is there, everybody benefits solid state technology is super rugged, super reliable, um, less failures, less trips, everybody makes more money. So that's, that's our goal is to, um, by the end of the year have transitioned to all new gyro technology, whether it's drilling while while excuse me, gyro while drilling or traditional gyros. We want to, uh, continue to advance the technology.
0: Okay. Well, great. Well, it was uh, good to have you on a lot of good information here. And where is the website again?
3: So the website is at gyrodata.com and on there we'll have everything that we've talked about that has all the uh, flyers, brochures. We're also heavy into LinkedIn. So if you've become a follower on LinkedIn, that would be great. Um, we can track you and, and provide more information to you. Uh, LinkedIn is, is our primary uh, means of social media.
0: Okay, we'll link to the website and the LinkedIn in the show notes. It was wonderful to have you on today. Thank you so much and uh, hope to see you on again in the future.
3: Thank you.
1: Thanks again for Chris Hartley uh, with Gyro Data for coming on the show today. Great having him on. And now Ryan, let's do, uh, let's do the roundup. You know, uh, kudos to Stephanie, the intern. She has loaded us with uh, some extra articles. So we have a lot to hit here in the roundup. So Ryan, for the Texas Roundup, we have, because of our intern Stephanie, we have a lot of good things to cover. So uh, shout out to her. We have uh, I have mine and then there's lots of uh, lots of other ones. So the first one, uh, Marathon oil profit misses estimates as prices tumble. So oil prices being down causes some of the profit margins for Marathon to be lower. And so some of their drilling is supposed to be cut for the year. Um, on the market oil and gas quick list. Uh, quick list of oil and gas assets on the market, including, oh, Lord. Vitruvian's <laughs> position in the Eagleford Shale, plus a package of operated properties in Colorado's, is it Rattan? Oh, basis. I'm not speaking here, oh, okay. Come on, host. Okay. Come right. on, host. All right. All right. Do, right. do, do your job, champ. All right. Uh, market <laughs> of Delaware <laughs> Basin Package, Pecos County, Texas. Uh, let's see here. 100% working interest, 10 producing wells. Um, bids offering uh, closing on February 26th. If you want more information on this, this will be linked in our show notes. Technology firms Verus and RS Energy Group join forces. So Austin-based Enverus uh, uh, is acquiring RS Energy Group of Houston and combining the two entities into a company that offers technology, machine learning, and advanced analytics across the industry. I just saw another thing where uh, there was another merger with the same company. Not the same two companies, but Inverus and someone else. Icon demands Oxy reveal if it was approached by a potential buyer. So uh, the word was that Oxy may have been approached by a company looking to buy Oxy. Before Oxy went out and acquired Anadarko, so um, Icon's stirring up some some stuff there. So we'll uh, we'll keep following that story and see how that how that comes. The offer still stands, I believe. Icon, he's welcome to come on the show, uh, fifteen to thirty minutes, and give give his take on Oxy and uh, how they've handled all of this.
2: Icon Associates is also welcome to return my phone calls.
1: Oh, that's right, that's right. There, it's free to come on the show. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah what better place Although, to get the ear of the president and maybe uh, make some make some changes on international stage so yep <laughs> south Although cross- it,
2: it's free to come on but we are not unwilling to uh, to consider a sponsorship icon associates
1: oh yeah no doubt. south cross energy exits bankruptcy moving headquarters to houston Oh, uh, Enterprise prevails in court battle of Texas pipeline giant. So we've talked about this a little bit. So Enterprise and energy transfer, they've been, uh, for several years now have been, uh, it actually goes back to 2011. Um, Enterprise backed out of plans to build a 50, 50 pipeline project with energy transfer tentatively called the double E pipeline energy, uh, Enterprise actually prevailed in the, in the battle. Um, they, uh, they backed out and instead built a similar project with Enbridge, who's going to be in the news here shortly. Uh, so Enterprise went with Enbridge, and they actually won the case. In other news, Clayton William dies at age 88. So this was uh, this was a pretty big story. Um, passed away Friday night. That's Valentine's Day, right, Ryan? They, he passed away on Valentine's Day. Yep, that is Valentine's Day. He, he was a legend that's the best day to go out i guess uh so clayton williams
0: i, I i'm gonna say no valentine's day is not the best way to go out i mean for someone like you who's not sensitive to people's feelings and emotions and you know a sensitive guy like me i don't want to die on valentine's day
1: full life he lived a full <laughs> life got the you know, one one last day uh uh last day of val- last valentine's <laughs> day of your life so he got to live approximately 88 valentine's days so
2: well, exactly. Not, 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 not,
1: I would say not, not approximately, days. like, literally. Unless he was born after Valentine's Day on the first one. it would have been so, uh, 87. Oh, okay.
0: okay. 87. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Seven. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's why you're the host. I'm Advanced math. Better at math than I am at English. <laughs> Texas regulators okay CenterPoint rate height, but customers will pay less. Um, not much here. Just wanted to link that. Um, that there was some mention that uh, CenterPoint had some issues from uh, – the Hurricane Harvey, I think it was, and they're also building some transmission lines, and so they needed to do a couple of rate hikes in order to cover that. I think they wanted a lot more, um, but the, there were some talks, and they ended up only getting $13 million. I think there was like over like 100 million, $161 million is what they were looking for. Debt-laden Lillis Energy to sell Permian Basin acreage chunk uh, for 21, $24.9 million. Drilling Down, Hunt Oil Seeks Latest Fortune. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, yep, no, yep. no, no, oh, no, it's no. This is drought. This is drought. drought. Drilling drought. Yep, yep, sorry. He's out. He's out. He's out. <laughs> Noble Energy takes over $1 billion charge amid lower gas prices. And last but not least, Enbridge to acquire Rio Bravo Pipeline in a $25 million cash deal. That's Enbridge. I mentioned that we were going to be coming back up here. So the Rio Bravo Pipeline is poised to support transportation and natural gas production from the Permian Basin and the Eagleford Shale to next decade's Rio Grande LNG project in Brownsville, Texas.
0: According to our friends at Texoga, tomorrow, which it will be today by the time you listen to this, the February 18th is the first day of early voting for the Texas 2020 primary election. Um, And they have... A Texas Oil and Gas Association Good government, uh, government Committee. Somehow I was not asked to be on this. I don't know why. It's a shame. It's a, it's a, it is a crime against humanity. Come on, Texoga. Come on, Texoga. Do better. Do better. Um, so if you want to know, we will – I said this to Nate. They have a list of who they think – is the best people they're, who they're endorsing, I guess you should say. And so they have Republicans and Democrats. So before you think it's all Republicans. Actually, Josh, let's do a quick look here. Maybe more Democrats uh, than Republicans. Maybe speaking to the prophet of doom has been given to, to Tex Oga. Because if you look at it here, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Maybe it's eleven, eleven. It's close it's close i'm just doing a quick count there so you know i guess maybe texoga is trying to be fair and balanced or i I don't know but anyways whatever you think texoga has their i mean it's kind of like the the texas oil and gas association of decent government committee because i'm not on it so decent government committee anyways you can go okay government committee. okay the best we could do the committee without ryan however you want to say that um but in their defense, guys, let's be honest. If they put me on that thing, would I actually endorse any candidate? That would be the question, and the answer is no. No, you no, wouldn't. <laughs> the list would be blank. <laughs>
2: they would send it out. We endorse nobody. We we endorse firing all of them <laughs> out of a cannon or, into the Gulf. Or
0: they could have their their list, and like a, I could have like a subcommittee, and then I could issue my list as like the the opposition committee endorses no one. There we go. There we go. There we go. So. Um, so anyway, so there it is. We'll link to that in the show notes as well, so folks can go check that out. So with that, Ron, I think that uh, that wraps us up for... How many blunders did you have? That's the real question, folks. Let us know. Um, I killed it today, You Ryan. killed it today. Merca, verca, Schlumberger, merca. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Steffi the intern... Let us know what you think about her performance here. Obviously, it can't be worse than Josh's, so it's an improvement. But how much is it an improvement? We would love to know. And thanks to our guest, as always. um, No conferences coming up, I don't think. Josh, where is your conference? Are
1: are you going somewhere to event? Uh, Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners, Wednesday in Midland, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock. If you're not there, you're useless. So uh, so, if you want to to meet up, let me know.
0: Not that you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Until next time. Keep climbing.